Welcome to this week's Ask Ninja. My name's Tim Cameron Kitchen, best-selling digital marketing author and head ninja at Exposure Ninja. Each week on Ask Ninja, I answer your top digital marketing questions. So if you've got a burning question or you want some tips on increasing sales on your website, whatever your market, then tweet your question using the hashtag Ask Ninja, or one word, or drop your question on our Facebook page, that's facebook.com forward slash Exposure Ninja, and we'll get it answered for you. Don't forget that if you enjoy this podcast, then please subscribe, rate it, and leave a review. That really helps, gives us feedback, and shows us what we should be focusing on in future episodes. And once you've done that, you can head over to ExposureNinja.com forward slash giveaway to win an iPad and some free consultation for your efforts. In this week's episode, we're talking about how to choose blog post topics. We're also talking about meta keywords, Google's Penguin 4.0, and some tips on how to choose a WordPress theme. So without further ado, let's get stuck in. Welcome to the dojo. first question this week comes from Paul Edmondson, who is a wedding magician. And he says, other than writing about what I've done for a particular wedding, I'm struggling for ideas for things to write about and to post in guest posts. Any advice will be gratefully received. Okay, Paul, great question. So lots of people struggle to come up with interesting ideas for things to write about on their blog, or if they're pitching to other publications, they struggle with ideas of good articles to pitch to these publications. Now, if you pitch a publication with a boring article topic, it's unlikely that they're going to run it because they obviously want to publish stuff which is interesting to their audience. Likewise, if you're publishing stuff on your blog, which isn't of much interest to people, then you're not going to get many readers, you're not going to get much engagement. And really, your blog is nowhere near its full potential. So it's really important that we come up with some cool ways to identify topics which are going to be interesting to our audience. Now, I've got four questions which you can ask. And each of these questions is going to open up a whole world of blog posts for you. So hopefully by the end of this, you'll have at least 100 blog post topic ideas. So these four questions um, each has some different kind of sub questions so we'll run through them. The first question that you can ask is what are all the questions that people have about your product or service? So massive potential here. What are all of the questions that people have about your product or service? And what you're going to do here is you're going to pick up each question, you're going to use that question as the title of your blog post and then you're simply going to write the most complete in-depth answer to that question. Now the goal here is twofold. Number one, if someone lands on your site and they have that question and they see that blog post, then you're going to be answering it in massive, massive detail, which is going to increase your chance of converting that person to become a leader or customer. But the other thing that answering your customers' questions does is if somebody searches on Google for that particular question, if you've got a really complete answer to that question as a blog post, then you've got a chance of showing up and ranking for that. So it can also be a really good source of traffic. At Exposure Ninja, we get around about 60% of our traffic to our website comes from these answers to questions which people ask commonly and that we've answered in blog posts. So how do you know what sort of questions people have about your product or service? Well, the simplest way is just to straight up ask them. So if you've got a store, when they walk in, what are the, what are the questions that they're asking? If you're online, 
if people phone up or email, what are the sort of questions that they typically ask? If people don't tend to ask questions, then you can go to them. If somebody buys from you, why did they buy from you? Why did they choose that particular product or service? If someone doesn't buy from you, likewise, why didn't they buy? If they buy, what made you choose this particular one? If you have a live chat on your website, then you'll probably notice that people are asking the same sorts of questions over and over and over again. So those would obviously make good blog posts. And it also means if next time somebody asks that question, you can just link them to the blog post rather than having to answer it. Another thing that you can do is you can look on forums to see what people are asking in your market. So if you don't have any forums in your market, then you can set up your own one or just simply create a Facebook group for your target customers. So Paul, if you're a wedding magician, then you might set up a group for people who are getting married, tips on organizing the perfect wedding, and see what sorts of questions they're asking around wedding entertainment. Those are the sorts of questions that you might wanna answer on your blog post. We've also got a couple of tools that we use in Exposure Ninja to identify the sort of questions that people are asking. Number one is answer the public which I think is answerthepublic.com. And this will allow you to type in any topic or any market and it will show you the most common questions that people are searching Google for. So that's a really good tool. That's answerthepublic.com. The next tool is Buzzsumo at buzzsumo.com. And what Buzzsumo allows you to do is see the social media content that's trending. So you can see the blog post articles or um, the, uh, the news pieces which are getting a lot of traction in your market. This is often a good sign that um, something is, is resonating with your audience, right? So you can either look at the questions in that article, or if the article itself is a question, then you can answer that question again in your blog post. So those are some ways to identify the sort of questions that people are asking in your market. The second question that you can answer, which is going to give you a whole ton more blog topics, is what's the core need that you're serving and what are some other ways to satisfy that need? Okay, so that sounds a bit conceptual. Paul, you're a wedding magician. Why are people booking you? Well, they're booking you because they want an awesome wedding, right? They're booking you because they want to stand out. They want their wedding to be memorable. So you could write a blog post which helps them get to that goal. So it might be something like five unusual but awesome ways to make your wedding the most memorable wedding this year, right? That taps into the core need that people are, uh, are kind of trying to fill by booking you. So you can get them there. And obviously one of the five unusual but awesome ways to make your wedding the most memorable this year would be, hey, book a wedding magician, have it in a teepee, serve food out of a bucket, whatever. So Think of the questions and th think of the core need that you're serving. One of our clients who's doing a really good job of this is a company called Display Center. Now, Display Center sells um, store fitting equipment, so shop fittings like uh, racks and shelves and price cubes and price tags and all that sort of stuff. So that's the sort of traffic that they want on their website. They want retail store owners to come on their website. So what are the sort of blog topics that they've identified that people like to read? Well, some of them are things like how to get the best out of your retail staff. They've got tips about recruitment. They've got tips about buyer psychology. So the core need that they're serving is, hey, these retail store owners, they wanna make their stores more profitable and more awesome, so we're gonna give them blog topics which will help them get there. So that's another thing to ask. What's the core need that you're serving and what are some other ways to satisfy that need? Then you can write blog posts around those. 
Now, the third question that you can ask, which is going to give you a ton more blog topic ideas, is how can you get your audience a small result towards their main goal without cannibalizing your main service? So let's say, Paul, that you are, um, you're there to put the icing on the cake for their wedding. Okay, how can we get them the kind of basics of a good cake? Well, we could give them a recipe. So you might offer an, a guide on your blog about how to plan the perfect wedding day. Okay, so that's going to get them closer to their goal of booking the amazing, unique, special wedding. But it's not going to cannibalize your main service. So look for some ways that you can either overcome objections, so get them from zero to 10 rather than, and then your core service takes them from 10 to 100. Um, if they're, they're not quite ready to buy from you yet, so you need to get them ready to buy from you, you need to get them up to a place where they're able to do business with you. We like to use dating sites as an example here because it's, a, it's something that everybody understands. So if I'm a dating site or if I'm an in-person dating company, then the core objections that I've got to overcome or the, um, the small result that I want to get my audience is just giving them the confidence to use a dating site or to use a dating service, okay? So you might want to give uh, some blog post articles, something along the lines of um, five quick hacks to make a good first impression on your first date. So that gives somebody immediately gives them the confidence that, oh yeah, do you know what? I can do this. They go into the situation with a bit more confidence. And if they're thinking about using a dating site for the first for the first time, then giving them that information will give them the confidence to even use your product or service in the first place. So those are some ways to identify um, how you can get your audience a small result towards their main goal. The fourth and final question that you can ask to get some blog post topics are what are the current trends and news stories that you can piggyback on? So every market has, whether it's news stories or evergreen topics that publications, magazines, news sites, bloggers like to write about consistently or is definitely going to be of interest. So big things that are going on at the moment in the UK, particularly we've got Brexit, We've got what's happening with UK currency, house prices are always current. So if there's any stories like this, which are of general interest, these are a way for you to say, okay, cool, we can give an opinion on that. We can be part of that conversation. And that can get you some coverage in large publications. It doesn't have to be specific to your market anymore because you're talking about something that there's a lot of interest on. Now, obviously, if you wanted to be specific to your particular market, then what are the topics that the magazine sites, the news sites that you're looking to get featured in, what are the sort of topics that they are always covering? So look back six months, look back a year. What are the topics that they were talking about then, which they're still talking about now? Then you need to figure out your angle on this. Okay, so a good way to do this is for you to figure out something that your market is always talking about that's of interest to these magazines and news sites. Then go and write a blog post which summarizes your stance on this. You have to have an angle, you have to have an opinion on this. Once you've done that, you can then go back to these publications and you can say, hey, I just wanted to offer some input on this big story. Um, I've put together an article called blah, blah, blah. And I'd really like to send it over to see what you thought. I've just written a blog post on the topic. If you want to get some reference, let me know what you think, right? So you can, you already have your opinion established in your blog post, and then you can then use that to outreach to other people. So what are the current trends and news stories that you can piggyback on? So those four questions will help you come up with a ton of blog post ideas. Just to recap, what are the questions that people have about your product or service? 
What's the core need that you're serving and other ways to satisfy that need? How can you get your audience a small result towards their main goal without cannibalizing your main service? And what are the current trends and news stories that you can piggyback on? Next question this week comes from Luke who asks, I've had a look at some of my competitors and lots of them are using page titles and meta descriptions, but they don't all use meta keywords. What's the deal? Good question, Luke. The deal is that meta keywords haven't been much use since the mid 2000s when Google started ignoring them. There was some rumor that Bing used meta keywords, but we don't believe that's the case. Um, So in general, the only people that use meta keywords are your competitors if they want to spy on the sort of keywords that you've identified and that you're targeting. So you don't need to worry about using meta keywords at all. Hope that helps. If you follow news around SEO, then you can't fail to have heard that Google Penguin 4 update has been rolling out across September. So everybody asks, what's the deal with Penguin 4? Is it something for me to be worried about? How can I tell if I've been affected? Well, just to go kind of to the basics about what Google Penguin is, there's a lot of misconception and a lot of BS out there. Penguin is a very specific filter that Google sends each page through, which helps to decide where to rank a website purely by looking at low quality links coming into it. So Google's Penguin update is only caring about low quality junk spammy links. It's not a wider link update or anything like that. It's not looking at your website or your content. All it cares about is low quality spammy links. So if you don't have any junk links, then you have nothing to worry about with Google Penguin update. Now, if you do, I've also got some good news for you. Google a Google employee has come out and said Google Penguin now looks at low quality links and devalues them rather than demotes them. So what does this mean? Well, it basically means you can't get penalized by Penguin anymore. So your site's not going to be pushed down in rankings if you've got low quality links. All that will happen is Google will ignore those low quality links. Now, I personally have a feeling that this is what Google has been doing for quite some time. But whatever, this is not about what I think about Google Penguin. So what does this actually mean? As I said, if you've got low quality links, Google is not going to be penalizing your site through Google Penguin update any longer. But you might still notice a ranking drop if you have low quality links. A lot of people perceive any ranking drop as a penalty when in actual fact, it's not always the case. So take this example. Let's say that you've got a brand new website and it's got no links coming in at all. Then you build a bunch of spammy links to it. Google initially doesn't recognize these links as spammy. So as a result of all these new links, your website climbs the rankings and you've got some good visibility. Then for some reason, Google decides that actually these links are spammy after all. What's going to happen? Well, the benefit of those links is going to be taken away. So your site's going to be back to square one. Now, many site owners would see this ranking drop as, oh, I've been penalized. Well, no, you haven't been penalized at all. It's just that the positive impact of those links is no longer there, right? They're spammy. So Google's devaluing them rather than demoting them. So that's a really important distinction. 
The things that don't change here is that we need to be making sure that you're getting a lot of attention for your website, that you're getting links coming in from good quality sources around the internet. That's important. That will always be important. So doing good quality outreach, listing in good quality directories, making sure your business is visible anywhere that people are going to be looking. That stuff always stays the same. But what Penguin is not about is about hammering down sites for doing low quality SEO work. Now, the question that everybody starts asking as soon as they find out that Google's no longer penalizing people is, well, cool, let's just go and make a bunch of PBN and crap quality links and get our sites ranking really well. Well, although Penguin is not gonna penalize you, Google still has a manual spam team that can um, give you a penalty if you've been doing low quality SEO work. So don't do that stuff. Never do that stuff. It's not a good idea. Uh, but if you do it, then uh, you're not going to get penalized by the algorithm as such. It's going to have to be a manual spam review. Hope that helps. So in general, Google Penguin, don't worry too much about it. Barely anybody noticed that it had started rolling out towards the start of September. And if people generally don't notice, then it generally means that it's not that massive a thing. So don't worry about it. Panic's over. Uh, this is also the last we're going to hear of Google Penguin as well as they're now making it a real-time updating thing. So as they update their algorithms, they're just going to bake it in you know, real-time. There's not going to be any big release like this. Um, so in general, don't worry about it. Penguin is essentially over. Build good quality links. Don't do naughty stuff and you'll be absolutely fine. Ian Roberts asks, how do I choose a WordPress theme for my website? It's a great question, Ian, and actually it can be surprisingly difficult to find the perfect theme for your site. On websites like ThemeForest, you can choose from tens of thousands of WordPress themes, all built by really good designers to a really high design standard. The trouble with many themes is that either they're built to look pretty or they're built to convert traffic, but very few of them are built to do both. At Exposure Ninja, we end up building custom themes for all our sites because we can't find any off-the-shelf themes which do a really, really good job of conversion and the design the way that we would do it. But I know that's not a particularly useful answer. So here are some things to look out for when you're choosing a theme. Now, obviously, appearance is absolutely key. The first impression that your website makes is crucial, right? It's crucial to keep people on your site. It's crucial to give them an impression about your business. So the theme needs to look modern. Make sure you, it's using modern fonts. Obviously, flat design is really current at the moment. That That's really cool and, and it looks really current, but obviously find something that looks good, it also needs to do the other stuff too. The second thing it needs to do, it needs to be responsive, obviously. It needs to be mobile friendly, it needs to work on any device. The best thing to do here is when you're on the website looking at different themes, try out the demo themes, actually use them on your phone. So navigate to the themes demo site on your phone to see how it behaves. Now you're not just looking for something that resizes, you're looking for something that allows you to adjust the arrangement when it resizes so you can continue having the most important things at the top of the page. You're looking to make sure that, for example, there's the word menu alongside the menu hamburger icon on mobile. That means that people have a better time of navigating the site so little things like that you need to keep an eye on. The next thing that we look for is the layout optimized for conversion and usability. So there's a few different things to think about here. The first is, are the most important things the most visible elements on the page? 
or can you make them the most visible elements on the page? If you're a service business and you want to generate leads to your website, then can you have a contact form? Can you have a call to action button above the fold, maybe in a sidebar? Does the theme give you the ability to do that? If you're an e-commerce business, then do you have category buckets on the home page? Are the product pages well laid out so that the buy button is above the fold? Are there visible reviews? Can you have lots of different images in a in a slider thing? Can you have a video in there as well? So making sure that the pages that you want to drive people to do a good job and keep the most important things in the most important places. That's really important because what you don't want to end up doing is getting a theme and having to kind of customize and manipulate the uh, the theme, the, the page layouts. Can you do th- really simple things like can you put the contact your contact details in the header? Is there space to do that? If you're a business that generates phone calls, then that's going to be absolutely key. Making sure that when somebody lands on the site, your phone number is one of the most prominent things really good shortcut to get lots of people over to your site. Now, I've got a word of warning about a lot of WordPress themes. It's currently really trendy to go for a full screen homepage when you land on it and there's a big picture in the background and maybe a small or maybe even no headline in the middle of the page. And um, we have that on our website and it sucks. It's terrible. We're in the process of rebuilding our site to get rid of the full screen homepage slider because the bounce rate from a homepage that uses that layout is really high because a lot of people don't realize that there's anything else on that page. So they just leave. Oh, this website looks a bit empty and then they're just gone. So it looks pretty. Everyone loves it. We get a lot of comments on our website's design. But do you know what? That's not the most important thing to us. So we're changing it. We experimented with it. We didn't want to experiment with any client sites. We wanted to try it with our own. And uh, yeah, it's it's something that we're, we're just not seeing to work. So don't go for something that just looks beautiful. Don't go also for something that relies too heavily on photography to look good. It can be really tempting to think, oh, wow, this website looks really amazing because actually it's the quality of the photography. Look past that. Look at the arrangement of the elements on the page. Look at the fonts that are used because if you're relying on the photography used on the demo site, when you put in your own photography, which may or may not be as good, then obviously you're going to end up with something which is um, a little bit more limited. So if you've got really good photography, that's fine. But if you don't have good photography, look for something where the photos aren't completely massive covering the page and where the layout is not completely reliant on the photography. So those would be my tips. Have fun, Ian. And don't forget, you can send it over to us if you want some feedback. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Ask Ninja. Remember that if you've got any questions about digital marketing, you can ask them using the hashtag Ask Ninja or one word on Twitter, or you can message us on our Facebook page. That's facebook.com forward slash Exposure Ninja. Remember, if you've enjoyed this podcast, then you can go to iTunes, subscribe, give it a rating and give it a review as well. And then head over to ExposureNinja.com forward slash giveaway to win an iPad and some consultancy as a reward. Have a good week and see you in the next episode.